0: Good morning. Uh, let's begin in Exodus 16. Uh, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture to most of us, dealing with the wilderness Israelites, dealing with the manna. But I don't want to focus on that. There's something else I want to look at today, uh, dealing with uh, the rest of God. You know, what is the rest of God? How do you perceive the rest of God? You know, Is the rest of God something in your life that you have? or that you uh, feel that you have unrest, you have rest, you have unrest, you have rest. You know, what, what do you perceive as far as your personal life? But anyway, let's begin here in Exodus 16, verse 13. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew laid all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, There on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to one's need, an omer for each person according to the number of persons let him let every man take for those who are in his tent then the children of israel did so and gathered some more some less there this we should probably just study this as a study because there's just so much here you know what the lord does and actually if you look at your personal life. Now, we're looking at the Israelites and we're seeing what the Lord provided just in one area, just dealing with the man, which was a miracle every day. Uh, And when you compare that to your life, see, the Lord does things that are such... um, such, It's fine-tuned or tailored to you personally, dealing with you, touching you, doing little things, special things for you, maybe as the week goes on, that sometimes we don't even pay attention to. But yet the Lord, hes he has this eye for detail. And you can see that in many scriptures, even with the manna here. Uh, and he has an eye for detail in your life. So that the Lord doesn't overlook much. Uh, he sees, you know, of course he sees everything, but... He looks and he sees, and he he starts to move in certain ways so that the detail that he is looking at there, he begins to show sometimes and reveal. Anyway, verse 18. So when they measured it by uh, omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to uh, each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them, and this is, this phrase is used twice here, some of them, not all of them, some of them, left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it in the morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. Now we're getting to where I want to go with this here. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much uh, bread, two omers for each person, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said, Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up until morning as com- Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for tomorrow is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will, find, uh, you will not find it in the field. So the, the seventh day, there was no man, and the sixth day, there was twice as much. So six days you shall, shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And I'll just go a couple more verses. Now, it happened that some of the the people went out on the seventh day. Now, why did they go out the seventh day? They did not believe God. Moses said, the sixth day, you'll have twice as much there. You gather twice as much for everyone. The seventh day, you are to rest. But even back here, you see that there were some who did not believe God and that's always the case uh, with individuals where you have a portion who do not believe God. And so they move out and they move in their own self-efforts. They move in their own self-strength. And they think that there's a possibility that they may gather that which is life, that which is uh, necessary for them, uh, you know, their daily bread. But God didn't provide it that way. And the daily bread and that which is provided by the Lord is given according to his word and it's received according to our obedience. And so here they, they were in unbelief. They went out the seventh day looking for the manna instead of resting from their self-effort. And now we're getting down to some of the things that are, core truths to rest. You know, self-effort will bring unrest. It will never bring the life of God, the provision of God, and so forth. And so the Sabbath here, they were to obtain the Sabbath promise through their obedience. That's how they were to obtain it. Uh, And we see some of them didn't do that. So the Israelites were promised rest. And they did not enter uh, rest, as it says in Hebrews, because of unbelief. And then in Exodus 16 here, they did not enter into rest because of their own self-efforts, because uh, of their own, if you will, self-labor. So the Sabbath obedience, and this sounds a little strange, but but we'll see this hopefully when we go to Hebrews, the, the Sabbath obedience, Rest wasn't doing nothing. It wasn't doing nothing. Okay, now, I wanted to, to just give you this. We'll look at some verses here. Joshua eleven twenty three. Now, rest in the Bible, if you, you look at the word and you, you see that throughout the scriptures, I have some things listed down here. There's a verse in Psalm, I don't remember where it is. It says, uh, Arise, O Lord, to your rest, or to your resting place. And the context there is Zion, or you could say Jerusalem, or you could say the people of God, the church. And the psalmist says, arise, Lord, to your rest, or to your resting place, speaking of that. Then you have the Sabbath rest that you see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And then in Joshua 11, verse 23, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. So there's two things in Joshua. Joshua 11 talks about this rest. And remember, the Israelites were looking for this rest, and this this was related to uh, being at rest from war because that whole area over there is not like, for example, our country. We're sur- surrounded mostly by oceans. Over there, there has been a history. You can go back in history as far as you can, you can uh, research, and you will always find that whole area in the Mediterranean area and uh, that whole area around Palestine and northern Africa, that whole area, because there's no, there no borders really by oceans or anything, there was always war, and the Israelites, when they come out of Egypt and they were going toward the promised land, the Lord was going to bring them in, but of course we know he didn't. But in Joshua's time, they go in, and they find that there, are, there was one host, hostile tribe after the other, one hostile group in, in city after city after city. They would, they would encounter them. So they wanted this rest from war. And then there's another place in Joshua, and I don't have it there but in my notes, but it's toward the later, latter part of the book, and it talks about that God gave them rest. So that may be referring also to this, this thing with you know, resting from war, but it seems to me that, that he gave them something more because they were obedient to God and went into the land not like the Israelites in the the wilderness who were in disobedience. So there was more than just a rest from war. There was something else available to them that God gave them rest. And some of them probably came into that, um, spiritually speaking, and some probably didn't, just like today. And then in uh, 2 Chronicles, I have this uh, typed out so I don't have to turn there. This... This is Asa, the king, I I think he was the king of Judah. But they're being attacked, I don't even remember who it was, by the Philistines, I'm not sure. But they they were outnumbered, and Asa says this, And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power, help us. O Lord our God, for we rest on you, or we rest in you, and in your name we go against the multitudes. So when he prays this, he says, we rest in you, and we rest in your name. That's very significant, and you'll see this uh, in various places in the Bible. And when you look at that word, uh, in your name, name, In the Bible, that's referring to two things. Uh, One is authority, one is character. So Asa here is resting in the character of God. He believes God, and he believes that even if there's only a few of them, that that's enough to defeat their enemies. And so instead of looking and fastening his eyes upon them being outnumbered, the, the natural, the physical, He says, Lord, we rest upon you, upon your name, upon your character. And so this gives us another view into this this word or this uh, idea in the Bible of rest. Now, in Genesis, we we know this. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his works, works which he had done. And this, by the way, here, is the fir- one of the first things you see, this is in Genesis 2, and this is done for uh, an example of what we should be coming into as God rested from his labors. And he says, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because uh, in it he rested from his work which God had created and made. So we see in creation, six days here, God you know, creates this, he creates that, the, the planets, the sun, and the moon, and so forth. And then on the seventh day, God rested, and that's what you see. Now, from that point on, he rests, he's not creating, he's not doing this, um, you know, what we would see here in Genesis on the outside, uh, in the world, in the physical. He rests from that, and there he is. Now, from that point in Genesis, throughout the rest of the Bible, even till today, even though God is at this posture of rest, He is able to do more and accomplish more in this time of rest than He did in the beginning when He created. So we always think that, okay, God was very active and busy during creation. That's true. But it says here that he ceased from his labor and he rested. So he's, he's not dealing with the physical realm here. Just as you and I, this, this is a type, that we should not be dealing with the physical realm as such, but that we should be rest at rest like God is, and we cease from our own labor. That does not mean that we do nothing, but it does mean that what we do is not our own labor. That's, that's a key. It's another key here uh, for this rest. So you see that. And then in Hebrews, we know it's, it's, it says there that God says that there is a rest, a promise of rest, rest for the people of God. Now let's turn to Hebrews 3. So how do we get rest? Do we get rest by initially coming to Christ. Uh, Do we get rest in some other way? Uh, You know, what's the deal with rest? We'll we'll get to this in a little bit here. In Hebrews 3.11, So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Now back in verse 7, he says this because, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. So there's two things here that he says according to verse 11 when he says they shall not enter uh, his rest there are two things he points out right away the writer to Hebrews that keep those who are not um, who have not entered into his rest keep them out. Or, Or you could say that there are two things that will keep you from rest. One is not hearing the voice of the Lord, that which the Lord is is showing, leading, guiding, revealing, whatever that may be. Not hearing the voice of the Lord. And the second thing in verse 8 is not having a softened heart. So, you know, the Lord, as we see, for example, with Pharaoh, it says in the Bible that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, did the Lord want to harden his heart? No, he didn't. What was the means by which the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart? Did he say, oh, I'm going to create you with a, with a hard heart? No, I don't think so. The method by which Pharaoh's heart was hardened was the word of God. So when the word of God came to Pharaoh, now the Lord knew what, what his response would be. And that response there, against the word of God, hardened his heart, and that you see that process continued in Exodus there. So without a softened heart, without hearing the voice of the Lord, the Christian cannot enter into rest. He just can't, because these two things there kept the Israelites from entering into his rest. And he says that, as we said in verse... um, 11. Now, whenever we hear rest, different thoughts may come to us. And I was actually sitting, <laughs> sitting down and I'm thinking, okay, when, when we hear rest initially, what do we think, the rest of God? What is our expectation as far as rest? And one of the things I believe is people think that it's the absence of pain or the absence of labor Or uh, the absence of that which is disagreeable. So if I don't have these things, I'll have rest. Well, that's not necessarily true. and, And secondly, rest is not necessarily in action. It can be, you know, if that's the Lord leading in that way. But rest is not necessarily in action. You know, rest can be in doing. And then... This is a big thing. Well, a person may say, well, I don't feel I am at rest. I feel I am in unrest. Now, is rest based upon your feeling or is rest based upon something else? Is it based upon uh, a relationship? Is it based upon character and, and so on? Or is it based upon feeling? So there can be a lot of things in the the natural, in the physical, that can cause a person unrest. And where you feel, you know, I mean, too much caffeine will do that. You'll feel like, oh, Lord, I'm in unrest, you know. But that, that may not be reflective of your spirit. See, so unrest is not a feeling. Now, if you're out of the will of God and you're not in the purpose of God, You may feel like, you know, your life is caving in. You may feel you're in unrest, and that may be reflective of where you are. But if you're in the will of God and you're walking with God, your feelings are not, um, can I say, they're not an indicator of whether you are internally at rest. See, because the way God has made us he made he made us with a brain and your brain has some 100 billion electrons neutrons whatever it is cells and those cells are stimulated by some type of physical stimulation for for example now after we leave here and we go home and it's 2 or 3 o'clock you may be stimulated to eat something when you see or smell food. So you see and you smell, and now the, the cells in your brain begin to form thoughts about, okay, I now hunger hunger, and oh, I want to eat. And, and that's just one example. And so now you feel hungry based upon what has happened here in your mind. See, so that cannot be the basis for rest. You know, rest is something different. Now, in Psalm 37, and I want to read one verse from Hebrews here. See, God intends that we as Christians should enter into rest. It's very plain in, in the Bible. There remains, uh, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, lest, um, let us fear lest any of us should seem to have come short of it. So, first of all, God intends rest. And in Hebrews, it says that we can fall short of that rest as a Christian. He's speaking here in Hebrews to Christians. So, being a Christian initially, I believe that God does something, and we're we're placed in this, this position of rest. But disobedience will keep you from rest. It says that in Hebrews. Let me, let me read that for a minute here. Let us therefore uh, labor or be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So disobedience can keep us from rest. Now in Psalm 37, I think we'll read, read more than one verse here. Verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, do- Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I like that. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. And then David says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So remember, with David, Saul is out to kill him. And if anything would take a person out of unrest, it would be the threat against their physical body to to threaten to kill you. And this was no idle threat. Saul chased David all over the country. And so when David here says this, um, do not fret because of evildoers. And then he says in verse 7, rest in the Lord. He's saying something and he's giving us something from his experience. This is not something from his head, but it's a life application here where David learned that even though Saul was coming after him and he had to flee, see, see rest, rest is not necessarily inactivity. David had to, had to flee, but he learned to trust in the Lord. He learned to believe God and he learned to rest in God. Now, his outward circumstances, there was no rest. There was no rest in his outward circumstances. He went from place to place to place. He went from here to the the caves of Abdullam. He went all over the place. But yet the Lord was teaching him something and he was able to maintain in his inner man the rest of God and that's why he says here rest in the Lord. So rest, and I was going to write this down but you can write it down if you want. Rest is a spiritual posture that we enter into and that we stay in through faith. See, it has nothing to do whether you're sitting here and resting now on your, on your pew here. You know, you're rest, rest. it's not dealing with physical rest. The rest that we see in Hebrews is dealing with something much different than the physical. It's a spiritual position that a person enters into and remains there. And the reason why I say remains there is because a constant disobedience will bring unrest. It will keep them or keep one from the rest of God. So here the Lord provides the rest And David says that you should rest in the Lord, but unless the Lord is able to um, work in our lives in such a way that we know and we experience that rest, then we may not really understand what it is or understand much about how to stay in that place. Now, in Psalm 9, Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So those who put, um, he says, those who know your name. And again, it's referring to not his name. Remember, the Jews were not even allowed to pronounce his name. So it's not dealing with, you know, Elohim, the name of God, Yahweh. It's dealing, when it says name, it's dealing with the character of God. For those who know your character will put their trust in you. See, that's where, you, where your rest is going to be found. And see, putting your trust in him will mean that you will obey his word when his word comes to you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So that is something that we need in our spirit to catch and and know that if we are walking with God, we're in His will, His purpose for us, that He will not forsake us. It doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing, he will not forsake us. And if, if we can understand that and, and get that, that will really help us. Uh, and Every time I, I remember, every time I was on the mission field, there was always something major that happened where you could lose that, you know, I'm resting in God and, you know, there I will be. And I remember uh, this happened in Guatemala three times. It happened in Peru where we, we were in one of their motorbikes and we came down along the uh, the center of the, the one of the town squares there and we went and turned and we went out toward the country and it was pitch black. And these people, they, they drive these things like there's no tomorrow. And, and here I'm sitting there and we're flying down the road and I could see up ahead there was another. It was another bike, motorbike that was stalled in the road, right in the middle of the road, and so this guy was going, right for him, right for him, and I was just sitting there and I said, Lord, you know, I, I want to be at rest in this. And then at the last second, I said, I said to the man, I, I, I said something. May I don't remember exactly what it was, and as soon as I said that, he jerked. And we went around this this person, and we almost were in this huge accident. And so there are things that will come our way. And we may get shaken up in the natural a little bit. I mean, your hand might shake. But see, we are to be in a position spiritually with God. And that is that position of rest that, as it says in Hebrews, some may not enter into. So we must look to him, to his character, and so forth, uh, to bring us and keep us in this place. Now, in Mark, turn to Mark 4. I'm running out of time. Verse 35. On the same day when evening was come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had "...left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat," meaning Jesus, as he, as he was. "...and uh, other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat, beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' And he arose and rebuked, them, uh, rebuked the wind." and said to them, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So here is a situation where the boat is sinking, and Jesus is laying in the back of the boat, and we know this story, on a pillow, and they have to wake him. Why is that? Well, because he had such a connection to the Father, it didn't matter what the circumstances were that he was in. He was at rest in them, and he knew that if he had faith in God, that nothing could disturb, or better yet, nothing could uh, sever that relationship. See, so Jesus was in this place, in this position. He, See, and, and this is to be with us. There is to be a, a fixed, if you will, a state where we are in is to be a fixed place uh, in God. Now, turn to Galatians, Galatians 5. See, we are to be fixed in God, or a better way to say that is that we are to possess the character of Christ to some measure. See, so if you and I are walking with God, and He is building the character of Christ in us, that is a fixed thing there, this fixed character of Christ in us. Now, in Galatians 5, Verse 25, so if we live in the spirit, see, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. See, so this is where the rest is going to be found, in living and walking in the spirit, because that will be the place in which the Lord can build his character in you. See, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not living in the Spirit, then how is he going to be able to build in your life? How are you going to have the character of Christ to any great measure if you are not living and walking in the Spirit? Now, I got this from a translation. It's called the Interlinear Interlinear Scriptural Analyzer. It's a program that I have. And it's quite interesting, some of the things that I find when I'm looking in there. All it does is, you know, an interlinear is. But it translates word for word from the Hebrew or the Greek. Uh, and, of course, I have, I have two different ones. But anyway, this is one that says, We may be living to the Spirit. And we may be observing the fundamentals. So it's like kind of like a question. (laughs) It's possible. We may be living to the Spirit or in the Spirit, and that's that's true. You know, some Christians may and they may not. Uh, And then this is from the low and needle lexicon. Since the Spirit has given us life, we should also let Him control our lives. So the control over our lives, giving that to the Lord, giving that to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to control our lives, will be what helps the Spirit of God build in you and will help assure you of remaining in this place of rest. If we live in or by the Spirit let us conform to the Spirit. That's another way to say that. Now, let's go to Hebrews in closing. Remember that rest is not a feeling. You, know, you can feel a lot of things. What about a person? You know, There are some people that are highly emotional. Do you know that? Don't say I know somebody like that. <laughs> I'm married to somebody like that. <laughs> but there are some people that are much more emotional, and then there are other people that are more on the subdued plane. I guess I could be considered on that plane, I guess. I don't know. So the Lord's not going to say, well, okay, the person that is more emotional, because they're more emotional, they're going to have less rest. No, it's it's not. This rest is not tied to emotion. It's tied to his character. It's tied to something much different. See, so if you know for sure that the Lord has been working in your life and he has done certain things in you that were totally impossible before, if you know that, see, that will be a source of of faith to you, but that will also be an area now that he is building of rest here. In your inner man. So in Hebrews 4 1, and he's speaking here to Christians. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's talking about the wilderness uh, Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, once again, as we saw before, one of the big hindering factors here is not hearing the voice of the Lord or hearing, obeying, doing, whatever. Hearing, doing, whatever the Lord commands, the voice of the Lord, as we saw in chapter 3. See, so that brings unbelief. But if we have faith in God and we hear that word, so you hear the word and now there's in you the desire to do it. See, now you're mixing that with faith and then the doing of that will, you know, work its way out. Verse 3, For we who have believed do enter that rest. So it, it takes... Belief, it takes faith. And and it's interesting. I looked at this. Believe, I I just was this morning. I was looking at three or four different scriptures. And each one of them, when it was talking about believing, it's not talking about that you believed in the past. Do you know that? It's not talking about you believed in the past. Maybe I should give you a scripture and show you. Um, Romans 4. Hold your place in Hebrews there. Romans four, verse eleven, and, and this is just one of them. For he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he, he still, while he had, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. That Abraham would be the father of all those who believe. And who's that talking about? whoever believes. And that word believe there, and in one John there's another example, and then there's another one in Galatians. The word is, the, the Greek word is a verb, and it's a present participle, which means not that you believed in the past and you received Christ, but it means that you are presently, continually believing God. That's what that word belief means. So here in verse 3, back in Hebrews 4, for, for we who have believed presently, continually, do enter that rest. See? Only those who believe can walk in the Spirit. Do you know that? Because you must depend upon the Lord when you walk in the Spirit. So You don't do that yourself. Be led of the Spirit. Led is a passive voice verb. That means that someone else is doing the action. They're leading you. Be led of the Spirit. So you, if you are to believe, to enter into this position, this place of rest, the belief is now continually. That's that's to to be there and to stay there. Present part of Presently, Continually. Uh, the Amplified says this, For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on God, do, re- do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when he said, as I swore in my wrath, so on and so forth. So it's dealing with believing Not believing in the past, but believing in the present and believing continually. In verse 11, in chapter 4, in closing, now let's go back here a minute. Let's go to verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, see, remember I I read the verse about Joshua when he took them into the promised land, it says that they rested. It says in chapter 11, they they rested from war. And in one of the other chapters, it says that they, um, that they were given rest. But here it says, if Joshua had given them rest, he's talking about something different. He's talking about this position in God. Then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his own works as God did from his. So there's a key there. To enter this rest that he's talking about, you must, you must cease from your own labor or from your own self-labor. Like the Israelites went out and they were told not to uh, go after the man on the seventh day, and they went anyway. See, there must be a ceasing from our own labor, and how that occurs is by walking in the Spirit. See, being led by the Spirit. See, you cease from your own labor, and the Spirit of God is the one who leads you and guides you, and now you are at rest because the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you. So you enter into that rest by faith, by believing, by allowing him to lead, and you stay in that position, in that place, as long as the Spirit of God is leading. See, Whenever I take over or you take over, that's totally something totally different. Verse 11, let us therefore, and the King James says, I think, labor, or it means hasten, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone anyone, fall according to the same example of disbelief or disobedience, unbelief, however you want to say it. So there is, for you as a Christian, provided this place of rest. And as I said, this is related to character, and it will take the Spirit of God leading us and working in our lives to give us this assurance and, and, and know and experience this positional uh, rest, this place where we should dwell.